Hi, this is Beth AQ, and this is the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. The Glass House is a space for spoken word artists, poets, sound makers, audio storytellers, emerging cultural leaders, thinkers, writers, and anyone who celebrates story as a means of self-expression, self-representation, and community building. I hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at BethanyAQ or the Triple R website. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened and arisen. There is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, Fat, vowed or celibate, we rise. <laughs> Hello, you are listening to The Glass House here in Triple R. I was having a think and a bit of a reflect on my time here at Triple R and today marks two years since I started this program. It's also two years for Mel and Arish um, and yeah, it's just been an incredible two years here at Triple R doing these programs and sandwiched in between these incredible women. Um, so a big happy birthday to the Glass House, to Backstory and to the Rap. Uh, I begin today by acknowledging that we broadcast on stolen, unceded lands. Um, we broadcast on the lands of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nations. And I acknowledge this country's first peoples as the first storytellers of this land and acknowledge that context in which we continue to share stories. Uh, I pay respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to any First Nations people that are tuning in this afternoon. It always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Coming up in the glass house today, uh, in just under 10 minutes, I'll be joined on the line by two exceptional audio producers and audio artists, Michelle Macklem and Jess Shane. Um, they've created and, and they run Constellations, which is a sound art and experimental narrative collective that really illuminates international artists making sound works that convey meaning through evocation and abstraction. And they curate and produce a podcast of the same name. And I'm going to be chatting to them all about uh, a launch that is happening. Um, it's Saturday morning for us here in Australia. Uh, they're going to be celebrating the release of their new season um, and alongside a physical release of a cassette tape um, of some really incredible work. That one is called Feel the Sky. And a little bit later on in the program, I'm going to be joined by writer and sex worker Rita Therese. Um, she's just released her first memoir 
called Come and it's out through Alan and Anwen and it's a really gripping book that explores her experiences with grief, love, desire and sexuality. Um, But just a heads up for that one that this show will contain uh, conversations relating to sex work and the sex industry so it might not be suitable for all listeners. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. My first guests are joining me on the line. Constellations is an audio art project that illuminates the work of community of a community of international artists making sound works that convey meaning through evocation and abstraction. The two co-founders and creators of Constellations are Jess Shane and Michelle Macklem, and they join me today ahead of the launch as part of their newest season of Constellations that's happening this weekend. Jess and Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Beth. Yeah, thanks for having us. It is a real pleasure because I have, um, yeah, absolutely just loved listening to Constellations um, throughout the years. So I'm so excited to chat to you about it. Um, Before we kind of dive in, I just wanted to play uh, a small excerpt um, that you've given me, Michelle, of of kind of what to expect so people can get a bit of a sense uh, of your work. So this one is from Feel the Sky, which will be happening um, on the weekend. Feel the sky. You could feel the sky when you were far away because you could hear it go, you know, the squawking way off in the distance. Just a small taster there of constellations. Um, Jess and Michelle, I'm wondering if you can tell me a little bit about how you first conceived of this project. Yeah, definitely. So Feel the Sky is a really special project that Jess and I had kind of been working on for almost a year now, I would say, Jess. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so it's really well, exciting. first it was like, you were like, Jess, we need cassettes. <laughs> we need to make cassettes. And I was like, okay, Michelle. And then you were like, no, 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 but I have an idea. Yeah, so, so I guess we'll start with the idea. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we'd, we'd um, come across this gorgeous tape from a radio journalist. Um, her name's Heather Evans, and she had recorded this great tape of these birds in the early 90s, is in 1992, actually. And it was in northern BC while she was out on a reporting trip. Um, and then she just, she's not like a sound artist. She's not anybody who'd really concerned herself that much with sound, even though she was um, a journalist who worked in radio and print. But she just, she told that story to me like years later, like actually, um, I guess two or three years ago now. And when she described it to me, it just felt like this moment where her perception around sound shifted. And I'm so curious about that in people's lives. And I think that's something that Constellations is like, that core curiosity is like thinking about sound in our lives a little differently than, you know, on the day to day where we get really bogged down and muddled with things. And yeah, that moment. Um, I think is illuminated in this tape that she recorded. So it's just a 10 minute recording. Um, it's like she's on the side of the road and she pulls over her car and it's like a, you know, Northern highway. So trucks are going past and, and she just walks in the snow and then records these birds. And so it's not, it's not like a pristine field recording. It's not this like, 
you know, multi-layered kind of thing. It's a mono recording of these birds, but it's just, it was, it's totally magic. And I, I re-listened to the recording um, really recently and I was like, oh, it still kind of contains that sense of wonder. And so when we got um, that idea from Heather, um, and I, I'd kind of heard this from her months previously and it took a while to crystallize in my mind and Jess and I had been talking about, oh, we want to put out a physical release because as much as we love the podcast, we would want to have something that people can hold on to in a, in a physical sense. So um, when we thought through the cassette, we were like, oh, this this fantastic tape from Heather, let's see if it actually, you know, um, if this, this could work for as far as an idea goes. And so then um, we got wait, the tape. Wait, can I say one yeah. thing, yeah, which sure. is so important, which is that when Heather told <laughs> you about the, the audio, she hadn't heard the audio since she'd recorded yeah. it in the 90s. She just yeah. remembered this moment of being a reporter, being out to like tell this, you know, a news story and just being struck by this field sound, which she couldn't help but record. And so we had no idea if like this no emotional idea. response that she had would actually translate into the audio. So uh, I was working at the CBC and Heather's at the CBC in Canada. And basically I went to her and I was like, remember that audio you told Michelle about? Can you find it? And yeah. then she was like, I don't know. But then she found it and then we digitized it. And then it was, a, it was breathtaking. And she actually hadn't listened to that tape until we sent it back to her with Mira and Jay's pieces, which we haven't talked about yet. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. But I just wanted to say that nobody had heard the tape. We had just heard no about had. the tape. And then it was amazing. Mm. Yeah. We just kind of held out hope that it would be. So then when we got the tape, um, we used it as a prompt to um, inspire two artists who we thought would like we would be the perfect fit. And those people were Jay Krantz and Mira El-Rahim. And I've worked with Jay on a few projects before and just have the utmost respect for her work you know she's a writer artist like musician does everything and um really thoughtful and I, I thought cassette would be such a good form and then we'd worked with Mira for our last season of Constellations and Mira's just such an incredible sound maker just kind of emerging from this I don't even know just the way she works with sound is like breathtaking mind-blowing and Mira had been really getting into cassettes and had gotten like a tape tape um delay machine a and stuff. a reel to reel like she was just in the weeds with it so um we thought they'd be the perfect pair and I would say yes we mm. were correct they were the perfect pair before we kind of keep talking about what's happening this Saturday I'm, I'm kind of wanted to pick on pick up on something that you just said which is what I feel like Constellations does so well is that it it I've, I can just speak for me as a listener. It makes me um, listen in my daily life in a different way and kind of mm. zoom in and attend to things, um, yeah, and listen in a way that I probably wouldn't have before and kind of challenges me in the way that I absorb um, listening. I'm, I'm interested in, like, for both of you, like what is at the core of, of constellations of this project? Jess, I'll let you go. Oh, uh, well, that's such a good question. And I feel like... Uh, you know, I can give one answer, but I feel like it's something that's shifted over the course of we've been doing it now for like almost three years. And it shifted like I feel like when we first started, it was us just feeling like we wanted a place to be able to like fail publicly, kind of <laughs> like to be able to try things and make things and play. Um, and then when we started making it, we started sort of like realizing that there was a whole world of sort of sound makers, not just working in, in radio, that we were not really being exposed to. And we were like, can we create a home where makers from different mediums can come and try things? Can we make a place where people that are feel are protecting, you know, like a certain type of voice can try out a different 
mm-hmm. voice mm-hmm. in the audio field uh, where sound can be foregrounded uh, as opposed to words and, and where uh, we don't have to... F- oh, I lost my train of thought. Michelle. <laughs> I just, yeah, me. I think what Jess is getting at is just we wanted a space that felt playful and fun as well as um, a place to really investigate sound and to think mm-hmm. about it more critically. And I think when Constellations is at its best, which I would say with this project in particular, it is like it holds all those things. Like it's a playful, mm-hmm. fun space for sound. And at the same time, like lets people um, be able to experiment and think about sounds differently. And I'll just add on to Jess's um Jess's response as well um, in terms of constellations. I think, I think a big part for me about constellations are relation is is sorry relationships and the community we've built up. Like, just at the core of it, Jess and I. You know, I I've moved in the last year and a half to Australia, and Jess is still in Toronto, and we're just like on such different time zones and we still make this project work and we still have a lot of care and love for each other. And I think that extends out to everybody that we have a relationship with this project. Like we just have people from all over the world who are a part of this thing now. And it's so gorgeous to just work with all of these different minds. Like I I can't think of another space, um, for sound in my life that that does this and I I think another example of that is just we've decided to create this programming committee this year Mm -hmm. um with our next season of constellations to help kind of share the load and bring some different minds in and so we've got Dennis Funk, Matthew Karyat Smari, Miyuki Yokiranta and Aliyah Pabani all helping us make this thing even more I think wondrous and magical and and coordinating these relationships can be hard work because it is across all these different time zones but the community around it is just like I think it's one of the most special parts of of my life so far and I'm just so honored Mm -hmm. to get to be a part of it. If you have just joined us, we are chatting to co-founders and creative of Constellations, uh, an incredible audio art project. Um, We're chatting with Jess and Michelle. Um, I'm interested, you've kind of created audio projects to be exhibited as well as to be listened to uh, through a podcast feed. I'm I'm interested in how those kind of different expressions um, changed the project or have have shaped it. Do you mean in terms of um, like physical exhibitions or yeah like I know that you did resonant bodies uh, last year and I'm interested in yeah what it's like I suppose changing who you're creating for how people are consuming the work Mm. do you want to start Michelle or do you do you want to start oh (laughs) well I just I feel like jumping (laughs) I feel like jumping off what I was saying before in the idea that constellations has always been a place where I feel like both Michelle and I have been exploring Uh, sort of constantly expanding interest in relation to sound like we started Mm -hmm. off by making this podcast and I feel like at a certain point we were like oh like what can sound do it's it's spatial it's sculptural like we want to experiment with having artists make work that is designed for being in spaces and I feel like after we did that we weren't like oh now we're going to make installations only I feel like we're constantly in a in a space of being like oh well what other forms can we explore and it's we're still just learning and, and, and resonant bodies was really challenging in a lot of ways. Like coordinating an exhibition is a whole other set of like administrative <laughs> hullabaloo. Yeah. hullabaloo, but it was so rewarding to uh, see the artists, some of whom we'd, we'd worked with Kaya Sirala before and she made mm-hmm. a beautiful sauna, ex, uh, a sauna piece in Phoebe Wang. We'd worked with her before and she like literally built a third wall in the gallery so that she could make a triangle in which to experience the work. And I think that, 
thinking of spaces for listening to the work mm. as well as the work itself really shifted how the artists were conceptualizing the sounds they were building. Like most of the works were multi-channel um, and we had people wander into the space who really would never mm-hmm. go to an art, like a sound art thing. Like it was, it was kind of like a multidisciplinary art space. And so people were coming in they were like, I've never been to a sound art exhibition before. And we loved that it could be a place where random people could encounter the work. And I feel like something that Constellations has always been interested in since the beginning, like we often have people talk about their work on the podcast after they play it. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, I felt like it was an extension of that to sort of open mm-hmm. the door for people to maybe feel welcome in a, in a space of maybe difficulty of understanding where that they're less used to. Um, and the exhibition was really uh, illuminating in, in those ways for me. Yeah, it is something that I really love about listening to Constellations is those kind of almost, uh, not interviews, but, you know, kind of monologues sometimes at the end where the artist kind of interrogates what they've done. And I really feel like it makes the work really accessible to perhaps people that, um, you know, this kind of listening is, is new to. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think that's such an important part of what you do? Yeah, definitely. Well, I just think that sound art has um, for a while kind of got into this realm of feeling pretty niche. And I think it's definitely emerged from that for, for a bunch of reasons. But I still think it can be a medium that because there's no didactic panels, because there's less um, like visual signifiers that we're all familiar with, um, there's less to hold on to. So going in, I think people feel a bit intimidated sometimes listening. I know this is like my personal experience. I definitely mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I like see capital like S-A sound artists, I'm still like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I need to read a bunch about their work before I even listen sometimes to kind of get a sense of context. Um, and that's just the kind of listener I am. I know everyone's so different. But we really wanted to create a space that feels um, open to a bunch of different experiences of sound like somebody who's never thought about sound art before who's maybe coming from a more narrative sense somebody who's like fully immersed in that world and and knows the kind of um yeah the kind of language around sound can still find curiosity and and fascination there and yeah and I I guess at the core of it as well I'm always so curious to talk to artists about their work like especially in sound and like why they made this decision why they decided to um, yeah, use this sound here. What's like, what was their intention that kind of wraps everything into their frame? And I love those interviews at the end for that reason. Like, it's just such a, um, like nugget of knowledge. I just love it for that. Yeah, I absolutely love listening to them. I'm, I'm interested, you know, Constellations is is obviously like evolving and expanding. Um, and, you know, you touched on the fact that this season has a, a programming committee, which is um, really interesting. And uh, I'm interested, you know, you've put a, you put a call out for submissions um, for this season. Um, and I know, I know in the submissions, you kind of said that you're looking for experimental approaches to sound art. What kinds of things can we expect from this next season? Jess, do you want to jump in about feed stuff? Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one thing, we'd never done submissions, like submission, a submission <laughs> process before. So it was really exciting because before we've kind of like solicited pieces for people or reached out to people who we liked. And sometimes people wrote to us, but mostly we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And this mm. year, Michelle was like, let's make a plan. So <laughs> we had this amazing meeting with the programming committee at the beginning. And we were like, what are we trying to do here? And 
I feel like this idea, this term of like the future of audio gets thrown a lot around a lot in like corporate podcast world. Mm -hmm. But I don't know when we were having this brainstorm, like it was very silly, like, but we kind of had a no bad ideas space where we were just throwing around like what Mm -hmm. if one of the things, one of the big ideas we were thinking about is how do we think about the feed as like a, a material, like, like paper or paint or, you know, like wood, like how do we think about the feed as a medium that we're working with, not just sound, but also the medium of the feed. And so we started just like doing this really great brainstorm about different ways you can uh, mess around with people's conception of what the feed is and what it can do and what a podcast should be. Like what would happen if you had a lot of different, uh, tracks that all released at the same time you have to play them on different devices simultaneously to create a mock multi-channel installation like what if there are what if there are ads that are not actually ads like what if there's one link that you click on it it changes all the time like what does it mean to reinvent our understanding of this feed as this linear consistent Mm. uh, static thing and so I just felt like in that brainstorm it was so teeming with life and possibility and I think that something that we're trying to do with this season is challenge people's ideas about what a podcast is and what it should be. And also just like play and go back to our roots of trying to find a place to maybe fail boldly. Like we have amazing (laughs) artists that are coming, but like people are going to try things and I'm really excited for all of the, all of the mess and joy that it comes with that. It sounds really incredible. I'm very excited to uh, to listen. Uh, just before I let you both go this uh, Friday night or Saturday morning for Australians um, will be the launch. Uh, Feel the Sky it is the uh, the physical release and it's a listening party and in conversation between the artists that you mentioned, Jay Kranz and Mira Al-Rahim. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I suppose, this, you know, this online launch and, and yeah, what this experience has been like for you to kind of put together this, uh, yeah, this, in, this online celebration? Definitely. I think it's this funny thing where we've actually been thinking about this launch now for many months, much uh, longer than the lockdown's been happening. Mm-hmm. And we were originally going to do it as an online thing. We were just going to do it where like Jess would be in one physical space with Mira because they um, Jess is in Toronto now, but um, she normally lives in New York. So they were going to be there in New York. And then Jay and I were going to be here in Melbourne and just try and pull it off. But now that we're kind of all separated like this, it still totally works. And this is like the great thing about Constellations being kind of this um, weird, nebulous, international thing. So we're going to be doing, um, we're going to have a a live listening. So we're all, we'll all like tune in and um, listen to the two works together, which I think is really amazing. I I love listening with other people. It's um, something I think that just like always brings a sense of, um, uh, I want to say like holiness, but not at all in a religious sense. I just feel like there's a, there's a sense of communal, um, wonder, I guess mm. that, that you can just there's have a secular holy for sure. Right. There's like a secular candles. Holy. Yeah. Like candles. <laughs> exactly. Um, so maybe we'll light some candles and we'll, we'll play these works and then we'll have a chat with, um, Mira and Jay about, yeah, about their intentions, some of the specific sounds um, that they worked with. Um, it was amazing because we gave them the same material um, from the cassette tape from that Heather Evans had recorded. And they both did use um, some similar parts of that raw tape in their pieces. So I think just like bridging together those links and asking them about that, like I, I know I always will have endless questions for those two. And I'm excited for people to be able to listen in and um, yeah, give some of their feedback also. We'll take mm-hmm. some audience thoughts Mm -hmm. so yes 
Friday Slash <laughs> in, Saturday. in North America and Saturday in Australia. A riveting conversation about two sound works in conversation. Yes. And all proceeds go to pay artists for our next season. Yes, I'm sorry. Amazing. There's my shameless plug. No, it's so very important. Tickets, but they're to pay the artists. The artists Thank must you. be paid. Incredibly, sorry. incredibly important. <laughs> Not sorry. Um, it's Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be fantastic and I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, Jess and Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much for having us, Beth. The co-founders and creators of Constellations, uh, Jess Shane and Michelle Macklem there. Feel the Sky is the launch that's happening this Saturday morning at 10 a.m. You can join for that very special online listening event, as they said, to help raise funds uh, to pay the artists for the new season. Um, You'll listen to the Feel the Sky uh, responses from those two incredible artists, Jay Kranz and Mira Al-Rahim. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. I'm very excited to have my next guest joining me on the line. Uh, Rita Therese is a writer and sex worker from Melbourne. She began her writing career when she joined the sex industry at around 18 and, and joins me this afternoon to chat all about her new memoir that's published through Ellen and Unwin. It's called Come. Rita, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you um, so much for having me. I'm really excited. Um, so, Rita, before we dive into the book itself, I'd, I'm really interested in your, I suppose, journey as a writer. When did you start writing? Um, I started writing um, for Rise um, back in 18. I think that was the first time I drafted something and sent something off. And then I actually got a column working with this magazine, Sneaky, which was really cool. It was a Sydney-based um, kind of free street publication. And then from then on, I went into writing um, for a few other magazines and then eventually just wound up doing my own self-published work and books. Mm. And then that led to Alan and Unwin reaching out for the um, memoir. It's a pretty incredible journey. Um, I'm interested, you, you entered the sex industry at around 18 and I, I believe it was a similar time that you kind of started publishing your work. I'm interested, do you see a relationship between um, your, your work and your writing practice? Um, no, I don't. I think that the writing is completely separate. What happened is that I was an adult. So, mm-hmm. you know, I began writing because I was an adult with adult thoughts and adult ideas and they were less juvenile. Um, and what I aim to do, I guess, is to separate this idea that I'm this sex worker writer when I'm a writer who does sex work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rita, the book is uh, separated into three sections, uh, sex, love and death. And, you know, so much of this memoir is, you know, an exploration of that love and desire and and sexuality, but also grief and trauma. Um, And you kind of write somewhere in the book about this act of of documenting your life was kind of a way for you to kind of uncover secrets about yourself. And I'm interested in that writing as a way of kind of self-discovery or or self-intimacy. Can you tell me a little bit about the experience of of writing this book? Um, So... I think that writing can be incredibly cathartic and it can be a way to unpack or to look at things because I suppose there's space for memory to kind of breathe and to come out. And Mm. when I was writing the book, um, you know, I do write in the book about having issues with memory loss and having um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So what was happening when I was writing is I was kind of unlocking a lot of those memories. And I think that's a very powerful tool with writing that it can kind of 
I, I suppose, clear the rubble in the mind and then allow you to see these different memories that you have forgotten about or that you have pushed away. And I do think it can at times be healing to go back and relive them, you know? Mm, yeah. Really, you write so, like, frankly and, and authentically about about the body, about desire and impulse and, you know, power and shame. And, <clears throat> you know, there's this part in the book where you kind of write about the slap measuring system that you've kind of cu- had to come up against in your work, that, that kind of false good-bad dichotomy. I'm, I'm wondering, can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I mean, when I wrote that, that chapter and I thought about this kind of system that the guys had, I mean, I don't know if it's... I don't know, like, I I think with sex work, it doesn't... I think that my contention there was that it doesn't matter what form of sex work you do, um, there's always going to be this sort of glass ceiling that you'll never be able to push through in terms of the way people perceive you. And I, mm. I kind of realised that there was no point. I think Melissa Gira Grant talks about this in her book as well, too, like, or being, like, the good whore, you know, being, like, the good slut. Um, there, there is no such thing. Um, and that... And then seeing, I suppose, in sex work that different kinds of sex work elicited different responses from men. And I think, yeah, they just all kind of have their own ideas. And so I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Slut measuring system. I think it was just about seeing that, um, you know, clients and men that I was talking to had different perceptions of, sexuality and um it doesn't really matter because their opinion was kind of pointless but um yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a tangent. No, not at all. I, I think you kind of touched on something that I, I really love about your work um, is your kind of interrogation of social norms and, you know, unpacking why they hold certain places in our society. And, you know, I can I feel like I can kind of feel your um, <clears throat> your, your philosophical instincts kind of coming through and question that um, kind of existence. I, I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to that and, and perhaps your – is that a desire of yours to be able to kind of unpack those um, social norms and, and kind of look at them? up close and interrogate them yeah it is I mean I was really interested when I did philosophy in the idea of deviancy and being deviant being and and social norms and surveillance um Michael Foucault is one of my favorite philosophers and when I wrote that book I think that was a big a big theme for me and I suppose I didn't delve as deeply as I would have liked into those philosophical ideas only because because I was writing such a hectic book that um Sometimes I was just getting through a chapter to just get through it. Um, but I did. I do think that one of the things I talked about in the book that I think other people who are interested in philosophy or who've read it, it's the idea of being and, like, Jean-Paul Sartre's idea of the waiter and how he behaves. And I think there is some of that in sex work, some of the performativity and some of that in everyday life and some of that in just being a woman, having to perform femininity, mm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a section in your book that kind of explores beauty. And I think you almost refer to it as this, um, uh, you know, kind of extension of self or this like exaggerated version of yourself, like the the sense of of the kind of glamour of it. I'm I'm really interested. I think at one point you kind of said you kind of take some cues from drag queens when they're kind of doing their makeup and and thinking about performance in that way. Can can you talk through some of those insights that you've learned about about beauty and and how it kind of fits into your routine? Yeah, it was, um, I think, 
Well, transforming into like a hyper-feminized version of yourself is such a fascinating process. And I, I really love it, but I also think it can be um, quite alien, especially when you're developing a different persona to go mm-hmm. with it, to stare at these two different selves, that there's one that's this exaggerated cartoon-like version of yourself, and then there's one that's normal. Normal's not the right word. It's kind of your baseline. Um yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's kind of like moving through the world with this kind of almost like avatar, um, like virtual reality kind of persona. It was really, it was really fascinating. But I think also that kind of disembodiment from femininity was what was happening because I had started to associate it simply with my work and not with being myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was something I had to kind of uh, like a rift I had to heal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, you, you do really explore lots of those kind of uh, those dualities throughout your book, that kind of, you know, glamour and, and grime, pain and pleasure, you know, the two selves of, you know, Rita and Gia and trying to like reconcile those things. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah, I think that was what the book was about. And I mean, amongst other things, I definitely think that something I was working through and, and it's different for me now you know we're always in a state of flux and change and our um you know we're, not, we're never who we, who we were a year ago and I, I also mm-hmm. find that really fascinating but when I was writing that book and that book was finished in the end of I think it was 2000 and middle of 2019 or the end of 2018 the the, the main question I had was who am I and and how do I exist as me and how do I exist as my, my other persona and how do I let these two kind of personalities exist without feeling claustrophobic or feeling frightened of them. And that Mm. I think was the major major theme in the book was about duality and about splitting the self and, um, and trying to find a way to bring the two halves back together, which I think was what a lot of that kind of inner thinking about, you know, the the gross side and the good stuff. And it was trying to kind of rectify and, and reassemble the two selves again after they'd been so, spent so much time being kind of separated from each other. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, if you have just joined us, we are chatting to uh, Rita Therese, who is the author of a brand-new memoir called Come. Um, Rita, you know, you talk about being um, a face out worker, a worker that has a, you know, a public profile. I'm interested in, you know, when you put a book out like this, how do you kind of navigate that tension of, um, you know, deciding what you will reveal and show publicly and what you kind of keep to yourself? Well, it it was kind of hard, actually, because when, before the COVID um, pandemic started, my whole plan when I released my book was to actually kind of disappear from being a face out worker, you know, mm. was to completely leave, um, not leave the industry, but leave the life I'd had of being like an open out worker and to actually, to actually just, just live as me. But unfortunately, you know, God laughs at our best laid plans and, um, (laughs) there was a global pandemic and (laughs) on the day my book came out and it was like, by the way, you're not allowed to go to your job anymore because there's a $20,000 fine and I'm like, great. So just as the book was coming out, you know, I had to switch to online work and um, luckily I have a good online following, but, you know, it was jarring to me and it was almost kind of comical that <laughs> I'd written this whole book about the selves and about, you know, finding myself and then the next minute my book comes out and I'm, you know, back with a pair of pleasers on and wearing a fishnet body stocking and being like, find my nudes online. So, you know, <laughs> it was kind of comical, darkly comical, but... Um, how, but yeah, had my, had I had, had, there hadn't been, you know, an outbreak of 
um, COVID-19, I probably would have had a very different way of dealing with um, writing such a personal book and then being able to kind of go back into the shadows and be like, cool, so that's my book, that's about Gia and about Rita, but I'm going to continue living my life without having my face out, but, you know shit happens that's mm. the whole thing in the book <laughs> yeah and you absolutely can't plan for a global pandemic so <laughs> no no one can <laughs> um yeah Rita I you know I think you kind of touched on this but like I suppose like the book kind of opens by exploring the kind of labor that goes into sex work but as you kind of go through the book you kind of realize that it is this like deeper exploration of the self and you know you do speak about some really personal um experiences of abuse and grief and trauma and as you said PTSD and I'm interested when you're kind of writing about things that are so close to the bone what what what's that experience like um, horrible. <laughs> I would I would highly recommend no one does it. It's awful. Um, well, I, you just have to grit your teeth and just get through it. Like sometimes I'd have days where I would just want to pick my laptop up and just hurl it through a window, and then I'd be like, I can't do that because it's a very expensive computer. Um, but um, how do you deal with it? I wish I had a good answer for that. The only thing is. I, I think the best thing I could say to people is don't expect some kind of magical catharsis because that is such a trope and it might not happen to you. Um, like what will probably happen is you get it all out. And I think what what happened for me was I thought if I get all this stuff out and I deal with all of this trauma and I write about it, at least it won't be backing up in like, you know, the dusty archives of my mind anymore. And maybe then I can go forward with my life knowing that I've at least physically put it in a book and I can shut this book and I can be done with it. But I don't, I I would be hesitant to tell people that it'd be like a really cathartic freeing experience and you'll walk away and you'll go, yeah, okay, cool. That's all behind me now. It doesn't really happen like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The best way to deal with it, I think, is to have a really good support network of friends, um, especially people that you can kind of call up after you finish a chapter and just be like, I need to, I need to talk about this. You know, it's dredged up some heavy feelings for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Um, well, yeah, just I thank you so much for writing this this book. It's been a real, um, you know, great read. I, I think it's it's something that I, I kind of started and I definitely couldn't put down. Um, I mean, you. I'm interested in what um, you know with your writing journey. Like, what's what's next from from here? I don't know. I I don't think I would. Have, I actually don't know if I ever want to write a book again. Um, <laughs> I I think I I love writing. But I don't know if writing something like this is whatever be something. Like, I love my book, and I think it's a great book, and I'm biased because it's my book. But do I think I want to, like, the world needs, like, another, like, you know, fucking memoir from me about some other bullshit? Probably not. But, um, <laughs> like, you know, I'm, uh, but uh, what would I like to write again? I actually just write for fun now. I, re- I just write, I write fantasy, like, <laughs> what I do, I write nerdy fantasy um so I think my writing my writing is career is pretty much ended with this book but um you know I did it I wrote one so it's pretty cool I'm I'm more interested in like with my uni and stuff now yeah I hear that you're um you've gone on to study law as well yeah that's that's my that's my passion that's what I that's what I love doing I wish I could be a writer writing's really hard I really admire people that can do it um for a full-time career because that is some hard shit. Um, <laughs> I much prefer just, you know, looking at civil claims and 
writing about like lemon trees going into people's back gardens and stuff. That's that's way more my thing. Mm, that sounds nice too. Um, Rita, thank you so much for your time um, this afternoon. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to talk to you too. Uh, that is Rita Therese there, uh, the author of her new memoir. It's called Come. It's a very funny, sexy and really kind of at times dark account of, of her life. And, yeah, I highly recommend picking up a copy. It is out now through Alan and Unwin. This is Beth AQ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at BethanyAQ or the Triple R website, 